The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is the future of cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in the automotive industry and its supporting ecosystem and help them move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to help make the world a better place, then it's time to run and in this case, drive with the game changers and this is the right place. Welcome and let's see what the buzz on the street is. Well, we recently saw the following saying printed on a patch on the jacket of a biker. I'll let you imagine what that biker looked like. Here's the patch. Life is too short to wait in traffic. Just let that sink in. We're talking motorcycles, kids. Okay, let's dial back to an article on March 8th this year, 2017, in the New York Times entitled, Self-Driving Cars Can't Cure Traffic, But Economics Can. We debated this a little bit earlier in the year on part one of this topic. We thought about it and we said, well, we're not exactly sure we all agree with that. We agreed with the driving, the benefits of self-driving cars, safety, convenience, cost savings, time savings, added mobility for young people and seniors or people who are unable to physically drive a car themselves. As far as the economics part go, well, we were talking about pricing for being on the road at high congestion time, congestion pricing or surge pricing, we call it. We weren't so sure. But we're taking a step back today and we're going to look at whether these proposed economic solutions are treating the symptoms of what you ask, Bonnie. Well, I'll tell you. We have a traditionally accepted business environment where Most businesses empty their doors, their floors, open up and let people go home at about the same time. So think about this. Five o'clock, six o'clock, we call it rush hour in New York, probably do in other parts of the country. Everybody wants to go home. They've had enough. These are people who physically work in an office setting. And that creates rush hour traffic. Well, if we continue to do that, is everything we're talking about just a symptom of the problem and what can we do about all that. We've invited back our three esteemed speakers from part one, which was just a couple weeks ago. Let me tell you who they are and then we'll get started with their insights and opening quotes. We're delighted to welcome back a regular on this series, Heather Ashton, Research Manager at IDC Manufacturing Insights. Joining her is, uh, well, he was a newcomer a little while ago, but he's not anymore, Joe Burton, founder and CEO of Will Concepts, Inc., W-H-I-L, go look it up. And, of course, how could we do the future of cars without our chief game changer on the road, Larry Stoley, Senior Global Director of Automotive Marketing at SAP. So, and Larry is the sponsor of this series. Of course he is. So, Heather Ashton has sent me the following quote from Jane Jacobs. You may have heard us mention Jane Jacobs on our other series, one of our other series called Smart Cities of the Future. Jane Jacobs was, she passed away in 2006, an American-born Canadian writer and activist interested in community 
communities and urban planning and decay, known for her book, The Death and Life of Great American Cities, back in 1961. And those of you in New York might be interested to know that she was instrumental in the eventual cancellation of the Lower Manhattan Expressway. Here is the quote Heather has selected from Jane Jacobs. Traffic congestion is caused by vehicles, not by people in themselves. Well, hello, Heather Heston. How are you? Very well, Bonnie. How are you doing? I'm fine. Thanks for joining us again. We're always so happy to have you on the panel. Heather, tell me, are you a big follower of Jane Jacobs? Her name pops up, as I said, very frequently in quotes on our Smart City show. What do you think? I've become more familiarized with her as I've been covering more of this um, connected vehicles and, and how that relates to the smart city, the rise of these smart cities. Um, and I'm, I'm quite impressed by the work that she's done, you know, to really try to keep that, again, the grassroots efforts and, and those neighborhoods, which, as we all know, living in, those of us who live in cities, neighborhoods are so important to the vitality of a city. So. so tell me about the quote. Traffic congestion is caused by vehicles, not by people in themselves. And the funny, when I read this, and I read it several times to myself, and said, so, wait a minute, not by people in themselves. I'm thinking not by people in the cars themselves or not by people being themselves. So how do you interpret it, Heather? I, I do as well. I want to add that in and of themselves. <laughs> yeah, people yeah. alone, right? <laughs> Um, and, and so, and the reason I chose the quote, because again, the topic that we're working on, um, is really, you know, at the, at the end of the day, we have a capacity issue, right, on American roadways and especially in urban settings and urban environments. So we have to kind of take that into account along with all these other, other aspects, right, the people, the work, the work day, um, schedules, et cetera. Um, but it really is a capacity. You can only fit so many cars on a road at any given time. And even if they're all moving at the right pace, you know, there still is a capacity issue there. So I thought that was an important important point that she raises. You know, Heather, I have a theory when I'm in, I'm, I'm on the North Shore of Long Island, as you probably know from my, by saying it in so many of these shows where you've appeared. And, and I have a theory that there's always one person at the, at the front of the line who just <laughs> doesn't start to put the foot on the gas pedal when the light turns green. There is a road here called Lakeville Road. You can't see too many lakes because there are so many houses, beautiful houses, but the lakes are kind of tucked behind the houses. But if you go down Lakeville Road from 25A here on Long Island to the Long Island Expressway, uh, 495, the world's biggest parking lot, that's a, a good clue for our topic today. Uh, if you go around 1, 2, 3 in the afternoon, 10, 11, 12 in the morning, 10, 11 in the morning, you can make that stretch. It's about two and a half miles. You can make it in about three minutes without even exceeding, well, you might go 40 in a 30 that's okay. If you go anytime after 5 p.m., Monday through Friday, or any day when it's raining, it could take you 20 to 30 minutes. Seriously. Wow. And when it, when it opens up from one lane, it goes from two lanes to one lane, it crunches. Then at the other end, when it approaches the Long Island Expressway entrance, it goes to three, two lanes that go into three, but one of them is a left turn lane to get onto the expressway going east. And that lane is backed up because cars coming on the side road of the LIE can't make that turn because it's just a short underpass to get under it. So everybody's jockeying to get it anyway. 30 minutes to go two and a half miles. So I uh, talk about symptoms and cures. I, I've been trying to figure out which legislator 
to contact and say, would you please do something about Lakeville Road? Alas, what can I tell you? So, yeah, I'm not sure about this quote from change. I still think it's a little person, an elderly or a person who's not sure of their driving skills, sitting at the red light and saying, well, you know, maybe I'll look at my phone. Maybe I'll think about what's, oh, it's a green light. Maybe I'll go. Bam, and it's a red light again. I rest my case. Thank you, Heather. And now let's bring on our our, our anti-stress champion, Joe Burton, founder and CEO of Will Concepts. And Joe is quoting Robert Kiyosaki, co-author of a 1997 bestseller called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He co-wrote it with Sharon Lecter. The book has sold, so far, only 26 million copies, got positive reviews from a lot of people, including Oprah Winfrey. And Will Smith said he's teaching his son about financial responsibility by reading the book. There are some critics who say, eh. Not so good advice, not such good information, but we'll leave that to anybody who has read it. So here's the quote Joe Burton has selected. If you are the kind of person who's waiting for the right thing to happen, you might wait for a long time. It's like waiting for all the traffic lights to be green for five miles before starting the trip. Joe Burton, I couldn't think of a more perfect quote. How have you been, Joe? I've been great, Bonnie. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. So talk to me. How'd you find this one buried in a book like that? That's a fabulous quote. Talk to me, Joe. And uh, An oldie but a goodie, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You're talking about us or you're talking about the book, 1997. Uh, so talk yep. to me, Joe. How, how, t- tell me about this, about the idea of planning ahead, all the traffic lights green for five miles before starting. We know that's going to be an impossibility. But with IoT today, maybe you could get your, yourself wired into the sensors. I don't know. So what do you think? Yeah, so uh, this quote resonated with me uh, just because, um, you know, we're talking about sort of traffic and the future of self-driving cars. And um, I don't know that self-driving cars are going to be like the right thing uh, to happen to resolve traffic stress. Um, And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think um, we're all having a tremendous issue with stress these days, right? So um, I think traffic is the, the perfect analogy for what a lot of research is showing us these days. I think the, uh, the American Psychological Association estimates uh, the number of people with extreme stress, meaning they can't cope, has jumped to 24%, up, to, up from 16% just two years ago. And mm. so uh, this notion of people getting into their cars, they're already sort of stressed out, agitated, um, you know, feeling helpless more and more ways in their life. And um, so traffic is just... Uh, one of those ways, and I think until we get to the root cause of helping people be resilient and cope with constant uh, change, um, you know, self-driving cars isn't going to get to the heart of stress. Uh, I think I see a lot of people sitting in self-driving cars yelling at other people in self-driving cars. <laughs> that's an interesting that's an interesting thought yes 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 by the way Joe for listeners who didn't hear you the last time on the show a couple of weeks ago would you please tell us uh, give me a 60 second elevator overview of hey Bonnie nice to meet you here's what my company Will does tell us quickly oh sure so um, Will is a uh, digital stress resiliency training platform so we work with big companies all around the world uh, with programs based in um, mindfulness, neuroscience, and positive psychology to help people improve their mental well-being, uh, their performance, their relationships, and their sleep. So we've got about 200 programs, um, 85% of people trained on a mobile phone, and it's a mixture of video and audio programs um, with names like Reduce Stress, 
calm anxiety, manage back pain, sleep better. So common sense training for professionals that find themselves stressed out, uh, which is most of us these days. And you mm-hmm. can find us at will.com, W-H-I-L.com. Thank you. And how did you put the H in there, Joe? I don't know if we discussed that last time. How did the H get in will? Because it sounds like while missing the E on the end and will without the H missing the dub, the second L on the end. So how did that come up? Yeah, it's a mixture of uh, where and will. Where are you going and what will you create? Uh, and it was a four-letter uh. URL I could afford to buy when I started the company. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's called a no-stress purchase, right, Joe Burton? Very interesting. Thank you, Joe. Pleasure to have you back on. I feel I feel less stressed just talking to you, Joe. That's the effect you have on me. Thank you very much. And now he's waiting patiently. He's waiting patiently in traffic to get on the show because he is pa- he's a patient kind. Of, I'm not so sure about that. It's Larry Stoley who started doing the show with me a couple of years ago. I think we're in our third season now, The Future of Cars with Game Changers. And Larry has come up with a quote from a man named Evan S.R., E-S-A-R, uh, an American humorist who wrote S.R.'s, maybe it's E.S.R.'s, Comic Dictionary. In 1943, he wrote, wrote humorous English in 61 and 20,000 quips and quotes in 1968. He's known for quotes like, Statistics, the only science that enables different experts using the same figures to draw different conclusions. I like that a lot. Here is the quote that Larry has selected from Evan Esar. I'll call it Esar. Uh, the, the car was invented as a convenient place to sit out traffic jams. Oh, my, is that kind of a tautology, Larry? It's kind of going in a, a circle, an inside-out uh, roundabout quote. Larry Stoley, how have you been? I've been very, very well. And stressed, yes, but under control. So feel pretty good. <laughs> I, I saw that quote, and... It, it kind of struck me as, you know, we talk about traffic, we talk about congestion, we talk about stress, and here's someone saying, maybe the car is our escape. It's our, our yeah. uh, you know, our way to get away. And I began to thinking about, okay, have we turned the corner, and is the car indeed an escape or a place to go to get away from stress, a place to be? When five o'clock hits, I'm not sure I agree with that or understand it, but when you stop and think about it, there's so much that, that a self-driving autonomous car can offer. It can offer you more stress because you don't leave the job behind. It can mm-hmm. offer you less stress because guess what? You can uh, argue with the guy in the next lane over with without having to worry about driving. So, you know, there are a lot of upsides to to that quote that just struck me as, hmm, think about this a minute. It absolutely is. And Larry, something we, we haven't talked about on this part of the series with you and Joe and Heather the last time was my opening quote today, life is too short to wait in traffic. I think that's a loaded statement. And I did research quotes about traffic. And it came up that this is a, a popular quote on bikers jackets so we haven't really talked about those vehicles that can manage to go in and out of traffic and get ahead of everyone and madness a with their noise and b with their arrogance and c with their their agility perhaps larry you want to make a quick comment on would uh, if we had a motorcycle club on the show would they say well what's traffic who cares we just go in between the cars you poor saps what would they say well, I think I think bikers would say something very positive because self-driving cars are, are very polite. Uh, 
you know, they, they learn. They're polite. They, they <laughs> obey the laws. They, they're, you know, they have sensors that don't get distracted. So I think bikers would be very happy with an autonomous society that they can weave in and out of. Very interesting. Let, let me go around the table quickly before we find out where, you're, where each of you are calling from and what you're drinking today. Heather, what do you think about that biker patch? Life is too short to wait in traffic. Agree, disagree? Thoughts? I, I do agree. I do think, um, and I, I often fantasize. I've never really been on a motorcycle, <laughs> um, but I do fantasize <laughs> the freedom that they have that you see when you're sitting in traffic and you watch them come up on, on the side lane and, and get through, right? Yep. Joe, Joe Burton, do you have a motorcycle, Joe? I just have a feeling you might. I do not. Uh, oh. I, I rode, I think that the first and last time I rode a motorcycle was in Florence, Italy, on cobblestone streets, and it was terrifying. <laughs> so that was the beginning <laughs> and end of my biker career. I think my first and only experience was somewhere in uh, Neuchâtel, Switzerland, on a dark street with somebody I'd met when I was 18 on a tour, and that was terrifying. And I remember there's probably a little scar on the inside of my left ankle where I got off and didn't <laughs> move my leg away from the hot gears, and it was like, <gasps> okay, that was not a fun ride. Goodbye. I'm going back to my hotel, and that's the end of that. Yes, yeah, safe, safe, but a little bit, uh, let's say, memory scarred for the experience. Thank you very much, Larry. Do you own or drive? A motorcycle or a uh, automated bike in some way? No, I learned very quickly after trying <laughs> that it just wasn't for me, or maybe I wasn't for it. So <laughs> I've tried, I've been there, but no, didn't work for me. Okay, so Joe and Larry tried it. Bonnie sort of did, and Heather, Heather I'm not sure if she's going to do it anytime soon. Well, we thank you, Biker Patch, for for the quote I was using at the beginning of the show. I appreciate it. So we're talking today about self-driving cars. Can't cure traffic, but economics can. And we're wondering, is it a, a question of economics or of the business environment that is creating the reality of traffic? What can we do about the stress? Are we curing symptoms and and are we curing the whole thing or are we just talking about symptoms? Let's find out what our panelists are doing to relax today. Heather Ashton, where are you calling from today and what's in your cup? Tell me something that makes you smile and relax. Um, Well, I'm calling from north of Boston, so uh, we have our fair share of traffic jams around here. Um, and I'm having my, my normal cup of coffee with the coconut um, oil and almond milk, but I'm looking ahead to make me happy to the weekend, Bonnie, because despite all the rain up here in the Northeast, uh, it's the Kentucky Derby on Saturday, and I love making drinks, as you've heard in the past, um, but I have never attempted a mint julep. We have, um, and actually, despite this spring that has not you know, gotten off to a great start here, I have mint growing in my garden, and I am you know, determined to use it. Um, so I'm open to suggestions for Kentucky Burby, which I, bourbon, sorry, which I've never had. <laughs> so, um, I, you know, that's my, that's my focus. I have to look ahead to, to the weekend and to picking my horse, I guess. That's very, very interesting. Do you have a favorite horse? You want to, we're not going to, uh, to our listeners, Heather is not recommending uh, betting in any way, shape. She wouldn't, would never do that to us. But Heather, do you have a favorite? You can give us the first initial or the last initial of the name. Anybody you're, any, any uh, four-legged friend you are betting on? Well, only because I love, I just love the clever names. So the, the name that I'm looking at starts with an H and it's very short. H for Heather, of course, right? But um, it's a short name, and it's I just it seems very clever to me. So that's typically how I pick any horses that I that I root for. 
Okay, well, you know something? There's a news item here in the New Orleans Times Picayune, it's called, and it says, Want to watch the Kentucky Derby on Saturday, May 6th with other horse racing fans in New Orleans? They give the post time. Churchill Downs in Louisville. I'm saying it correct. Louisville. Post time, 5.34 p.m., something different than 2016 last year, and they're saying where to find the best watching parties on Saturday in New Orleans. So if you decide to abandon Boston and go to New Orleans, you got to check out the news in the New Orleans Times Picayune. Okay, Heather, I just gave you a tip there. And they do have Thank a list you. of the top five horses. Let me see if I could. The five horses to watch in the Derby. Um, okay, one, two, three, four. Uh, the f- top five do not start with H, my dear, so I'm not sure what. We've got two G's, an I, a C, and an A, five horses to watch from Beth Par- Harris, the AP racing writer. So Heather is going to take a long shot on this one. Joe Burton, while Heather is making mint juleps and watching the Derby with friends and enjoying herself, what will you know? What will you be doing on Saturday, Joe? Maybe that's a better question. I will be at uh, two Little League games, for one for my 9-year-old and one for my 7-year-old. And uh, not, I, not well, drinking I, I mint juleps. Watching. <laughs> no, I won't be. Uh, well, uh, I, I can't do that because it's against our town rules. No alcohol at the games. Um, okay, you're covered. Sometimes folks break that rule. Uh, no comments on whether I'm one of them. Um, the so watching the game and just hanging out with the kids is super fun. Uh, hanging out with some of the other parents is not always. Um, mm. Little League baseball <laughs> is sort of the height of. You know, politics and drama. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We've, we've heard about it in the, in the bad headlines. We certainly have. So what are you drinking today, Joe, that makes you happy and staying calm and enjoying yourself on the radio? Well, this morning I've got a uh, Grande Decaf from our friends at Starbucks. And uh, uh, it was a, a quick stop on the way in. And uh, I love the taste of coffee. And I could I stay away from the caffeine these days. Okay, good for you. Well, that's part of the stress cure, I think, is just to cut down on the chemicals that are helping to empower the stress in our bodies and our minds. Thank you very much, Joe. Larry Stoley, where art thou? What are you drinking? Got anything new? And how's the Yeti mug coming along, Larry? You talk about it a lot. Are you still enjoying it? Yeah, it works very, very good. You know, I hear all these colorful stories about what people drink and so on and so forth. And the only thing attribute I have is consistent and repeatable. I just drink my black coffee and I'm quite happy with it. And, you know, while I'm drinking my black coffee, I'm thinking about, you know, Saturday and the Kentucky Derby. My daughter-in-law is a huge equestrian. Uh, She owns horses. Mm. And I love horses. But I also understand that there's a downside to horses, and they're a lot of work. Um, So, you know, I'm kind of, you know, ambivalent about horse racing. Now, Joe talked about Little League Baseball. I coached Little League Baseball for quite a number of years. Had a number of seasons where I won 18 ball games and lost a couple out of the season. So, felt like I did pretty good. But, Joe, my golly, you need a cup of coffee to deal with parents. I got to tell you. You probably need something Yeah, no, no doubt. The, um, we, Larry, we're going to be looking to recruit you. We could use a coach with that record. <laughs> and I had the first girl in our league, this was years ago, first girl in our league, and by golly, uh, taught some other people some positive things. She was good. Did, did she go on to a career in sports, or did you, did you follow her? Uh, no, I didn't. Um, you know, this this she was fairly young. Uh, she was uh, 12 years old when the last time I coached her, 
and I quit coaching, and we actually moved away, so I didn't keep up. Okay. Well, it's nice to know that you had that experience and gave her that opportunity. Thank you very much, Larry. Yes, Larry, I tell all of our uh, newcomers to Game Changers radio shows on our prep calls, I mentioned the Yeti mug. Sometimes I say you're carrying it. Sometimes I don't. But thank you for that. It just sounds so fun to say. Uh, I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I'm very happy to be here with Heather Ashton, Joe Burton, and Larry Stoley. I'm only drinking cool, clear water in a cool, clear mug with a hot pink straw because maybe it'd be nice to have a little more heat here in New York. I don't know about you in Boston. Heather, but it's been rather cool, rather pleasant actually, but it starts out rainy in the morning, then it gets kind of sunny, then it decides whether it's going to go which way during the day, and it's been cool, it's been hot, it was 85 on Saturday, nobody had their central air conditioning on in co-op and condo buildings yet, however, I think summer will kind of inch up toward us, and maybe uh, your mint juleps will send the message to all of the building superintendents and, and managing boards, turn on the air conditioning, we're ready for a little summer, and we're ready for mint julep. So Heather, in celebration of you, I'm going to say to everybody, don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You are listening to The Future of Cars with Game Changers Radio. This is season two, Larry. My goodness, I thought we were farther along, but I know you're coming back next year. So all I can say is we're going to take a quick 90-second break, the pause that refreshes, and we'll be right back. Kevin out. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. SAP is excited to be a co-innovator with the automotive industry as we help automotive and related companies digitally transform their entire industry and disrupt their existing business models. The Future of Cars with Game Changers brings you insights from the people in the driver's seat who are making this happen. We'll delve into industry challenges and solutions that support ecosystem industries, all to help you succeed in transforming your business and business networks for success in the new digital networked age. Tune in to the Business Channel to hear today's top technology and business strategy thought leaders share expert insights on how the automotive industry is shaping the future of change for all of us. For women, the pressure to achieve is stronger, the work hours longer, and the struggle for respect and authority more complex than ever. You want guidance on how to succeed, and you are not alone. You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers on Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern for our special series, Game Changing Women. Powerful women leaders will help you make sense of it all, analyze how you can change the game, and share their playbooks. Game Changing Women, presented by SAP on the Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Future of Cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to the future of cars with Game Changers. Indeed, let's. Welcome back. We're speaking with Heather Ashton at IDC Manufacturing Insights, Joe Burton at Will, W-H-I-L, Larry Stoli at SAP, and I'm still Bonnie D. Graham. We're talking today about whether all of these good ideas the New York Times proposed in, in March, or two months ago, as far as self-driving cars and congestion pricing, the physical part, the economic part of curing 
traffic stress. Are we looking at actual ways to cure it? Are we just treating the symptoms of, shall we say, a societal problem, condition, uh, preference. I'm not sure how to phrase it, but we're going to explore it deeper, more deeply with our panelists. So Heather Ashton is up first on the roundtable, and here is what Heather told me in her notes before the show. She says on this point, we need to be creative in thinking of ways to solve the first last mile of distribution of people. Let's talk about this, about urban centers and people congestion and traffic. Go ahead, Heather. Sure. Um, I, and it's funny that I, I use that terminology because I know that Larry loves saying that, you know, cars are containers <laughs> for, pe- for people and things, um, or vehicles, I guess, are containers. Um, but it's interesting, uh, when you think about it from that supply and demand and distribution perspective, um, how do you ease things, you know, throughout a supply chain is you, you plan for them um, and schedule differently. And I think that's a, a, a key component here when we talk about congestion and how traffic congestion is not about the people, you know, as much as about the vehicles, but it is also about the, the people in the vehicles that have to get somewhere at a specific time. And it comes back to that whole, you know, notion, why are we still working nine to five? We're in an internet connected world. Everybody's on mm-hmm. all the time anyways, as Larry said. Um, in terms of mobile and trying to stay stay in touch. So why do we need to be in, in places from 9 to 5 in, in a traditional work environment still? That is the question of the day, I think. Thank you very much. And, and what about the idea of supply chain distribution and logistics? Can we tie that into this, Heather? Yeah, sure. So, so the idea here is, um, we, and we talk about this a lot, is that last mile is so difficult from a distribution perspective. If you think about companies like Amazon that are moving a lot of packages around the world, and that, that last mile of delivery is usually the most expensive and the most complex to try to plan it correctly. Um, so they're doing things like building warehouses in, in different places, and then they're doing things like these lockers to try to set up, you know, and to ease that distribution. So if you think about people in cities, um, if you think of a city, trying to get within that, the, the several miles of the inner part of a city, um, that is the hardest part. Uh, so how do we kind of ease some of that congestion by maybe limiting, um, in some cases, maybe limiting traffic, right? If you, I mean, if you've been in, in, in cities like um, even like Las Vegas or I was just down in South Beach, um, where they're closing off blocks and only allowing pedestrians to move around. And it's, it's beautiful. And, um, and again, it, people adapt and they figure out other ways to get around, but it's it, definitely cuts down on the congestion uh, in, by forcing some of that to the outer perimeter of the, of the city. Thank you very much, Heather. Let's get Joe Burton and Will to comment on this. Joe? Yeah, I think the... Um, uh, so I work out in uh, Silicon Valley, and I think the uh, most companies sort of catch up to employees with respect to the tools they're using, um, how their policies evolve and so forth. And I think more and more, at least here um, in the, on the West Coast, uh, startup culture is sort of seeping into larger companies. So what we found is, you know, people are happier when they can work around schedules that work for them. Uh, you know, whether that's uh, flex, flex time or working from home occasionally or come early, leave early. Um, you know, I'm... Uh, I'm 48, and so I didn't grow up in that environment. I grew up in the, like, come in at 7, leave at 7 <laughs> environment, mm-hmm. uh, especially earlier in my career. And, you know, all the research is just suggesting that kind of flexibility makes people happier. Uh, and then in the absence of that, you know, 70% of people say they're not fully engaged at work. A third of people say they're actively not engaged, meaning they show up planning not to work. <laughs> and, yeah. um, you know, the, those kind of attitudes impact what's going on uh, in traffic. 
I love what uh, Google Maps, you know, as consumers, we look at Google Maps and we put in the time of day, what's the right time of day to leave, right, to beat traffic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it'd be great to see companies um, incorporating more of those, that kind of thinking into, you know, when should people come and go within a particular city? And um, if you want to get into the heart of stress, and add in, did you have a good day or a bad day, <laughs> which will also impact what time of day you should leave. Like how much more stress can you, can you afford to take on uh, in your commute? Yeah, it, very interesting. Larry, before I get you in on this, I, I'm, I'm harking back a memory of my very first job uh, right after my divorce. I realized I had to work and take care of my two children, and, and I had been in school for many years, and I, I finally got a job, and I remember the first day arriving. I was a programmer analyst on a, uh, a community college reporting system for the state of Oregon. I was based in Eugene way back in the day, and I remember going to work, and I said to myself, Oh, I have to stay <laughs> until five o'clock. And it was a culture shock. And I said to myself, okay, I've finished my work. What do I do now? I have to be, oh, it's only two o'clock. What will I do for the next three? I was just starting. And, and the idea, Joe, of, of, of having to be at that desk until five o'clock was such a foreign thing for me having been in college and graduate school all those years and, and raising two young children. I didn't know what it was to have to stay and be part of rush hour. Joe, any quick comment on that, on that, that shock of the first job for a lot of people? Or today does it not matter because we're such a mobile, work mobile culture? Any thoughts? Yeah, I think it really depends on the company culture, right? And so there, there are a lot of companies that are, uh, that still have sort of a, a nine to five or, you know, if you're on Wall Street and you've got trading hours and uh, sometimes you're thrown right into the heart of traffic, right? Which, uh, and for millennials, yes. they're the highest stress category today. So you graduate yes. and you're already sort of getting into this, like, what's this whole office hour thing about? <laughs> and then if you're, if you're heading right into, um, uh, you know, rush hour on both sides of that, uh, it doesn't feel great, right? And so more and more millennials pushing back on, Hey, like I want flexible, I want uh, flexibility, I want occasionally work from home and so forth. And I actually think this is a really healthy thing to spread to, you know, the other generations in the workforce that over the course of time has just gotten sucked into like, oh, rush hour is part of my day. Yeah, Joe, I think I was a millennial. I think I was 26 years old, and I was a millennial before the term was even invented. And today I've morphed into a baby boomer, not leading edge, but not too far away. And that's funny as you're talking, I'm saying yeah, I, I was the millennial of my day when I got my first job. Very interesting. Thank you. Larry Stoley, chime in. We're talking about people distribution regarding traffic cure and getting everybody the doors open and whoosh, everybody gets on the road at the same time. Your thoughts, Larry? You know, when we first had this call last month, my, my eyes kind of popped open and said, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're talking about not the problem. We're talking about the symptom of a problem. And the, the, mm-hmm. the whole notion of having to be in an environment from 9 to 5, 8 to 5, whatever the hours are, is kind of one that I'm really questioning right now. First off, I'll freely admit and, and absolutely support the fact that there are some jobs, some things that have to, you know, you have to be there to do them, service industries, for example. Mm-hmm. So I get that. They're, they're, that's <clears throat> probably half of what we're talking about. But the other half, the industry that's office-related, that's business-related, is, is perplexing to me the more I think about it. I've worked out of my home office for 20 years. I'm not mm-hmm. a millennial. But 20 years... Are I've you sure? Wor- Are you sure? 
Absolutely. I'm an old guy. Honorary. Honorary. Go ahead, Larry. I've worked out of my home office for 20 years. I don't know anything different, and I won't go into an office. So the question for me is, with all the technology, all of the connectivity that we have, the ability to do video communications, to do voice Mm -hmm. communications, to do electronic communications, why do we need to go into an office? And as you said, when I go into an office, and I do once in a while, I'm continuously looking for, is it lunchtime yet? Is it uh, time to go yet? Uh, let me put my head down on the desk for just a minute and kind of be out of sight, out of mind. So productivity, I think, is enhanced when you're home office. And, and, and I mean that sincerely. I can get aggravated and walk away and go do something to take my mind off of a recently uh, a recent problem that raised its head for 10 minutes and calm myself down. You can't do that in an office. So at the same time, you know, I can work at 7 o'clock at night, 7 to 8, 8 to 8.30. I can do those things and, peop- and, and do that. So my question is, why do we continue to, continue to cling to that half of the business world that's office-related? I don't get it. That's the problem. Traffic is the symptom. Yeah, I, and uh, that was the whole point of, of this approach to the same topic, Larry, that you, you gave me. I'm finding it very, very interesting. So we're talking about people who insist on that, and that's really a, a topic that isn't necessarily related to self-driving cars. Of course, we're talking about the future of cars, but maybe we're talking about the future of traffic today, which is a people issue and not a congestion pricing versus autonomous cars versus motorcycles and pedestrians and actual bicycles. Let me circle back around to Heather. Any thoughts, Heather, on what Joe and Larry have added to expand this topic? I like where it's going. Yeah, no, I would definitely agree about the um, the fact that it is a symptom, that the traffic is the symptom. And the people are, you know, that how we kind of think about work, the work-life balance, where we need to be located um, is what we really, it, kind of the crux of the issue. And, and I would have to say, since I am, you know, the tech person here, uh, I do am optimistic that technology can solve a lot of this. And we just have to let it. And, and old habits die hard, I understand. But I also feel that generationally we're coming into this area. You mentioned, you know, Bonnie, that you were a 26-year-old millennial, um, you know, back, <laughs> back when. I back in the day. That, yeah, the, you know, this is, we, we have a whole new generation of workers that are entering the workforce that aren't willing to do what Joe and I have done. He mentioned that 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. I'm, I'm around the same age. And, you know, and that it was all, all about that, right? Work more, work more productivity. You know, today's, you know, um, the younger generation coming into the workforce, they want balance. They're demanding balance. So we're going to have to find ways to give them that. And we're going to use technology and we're going to use, you know, some of these other, other kind of type of alternatives um, so that it won't be about, you know, sitting in, a, sitting in a car on a road somewhere, whether that's driven by themselves or by something else. <laughs> Very, very good point, driven by them or something else. And that's back to our self-driving autonomous cars. Thank you, Heather. Joe Burton, I'm looking at your notes. And let's talk about people and stress. Uh, And here's a very telling comment you told me. You said, research suggests people are not equipped to deal with stress even before we get into the car. One of the reasons is half of the population suffers from insomnia. We haven't slept well. We're unable to focus. We're grumpy. We're in a hurry. Okay, self-driving cars may help the community mute, but we have to get to the sources of stress and whether people are equipped to cope with it. So I guess what you're saying, Joe, is that, well, stress, traffic is going to be a given for a long time. Are we even prepared to cope with it, the fact that we are going to have to cope with it, or do we, a.k.a. road rage? So, Joe, please tell us more about this research. Yeah, so um, 
I think the the sleep uh, is is a big is is connected to people aren't resting. You know, they're stressed out, so they're not sleeping well. And then um, we get behind the wheel of a car, and you know what the research suggests is um, one bad night of sleep can uh, slow down your motory reflexes by as much as three to four seconds. Right, so that's mm. the difference between running a red light. You know, and if you're driving a large vehicle or a truck, that can be a big deal. Uh, if you're operating a forklift uh, on the job, that can be a big deal. Um, but there are a lot of these really interesting uh, studies around stress. Now, keep in mind, self-driving cars will happen, and then there'll be a very long period where, uh, I like, you know, I may be, if, if I were like my, my father, I'd be the guy where everyone else is in a self-driving car, and I've still got my 76 Chevy Cavalier <laughs> yelling at people, get out of my way. <laughs> Um, so there's going to be people driving with self-driving cars for decades, right? Decades. Now, um, when you look at a lot of the stress um, uh, behind, like, stress and traffic, there's a number of interesting studies that have come up around how people react in traffic. Uh, and so, for example, um, one study showed uh, uh, they hooked up people in their cars and with cameras and so on and so forth, and they did this with 1,000 drivers. And uh, then they followed people around and they honked at them, you know, intentionally without the, you know, subjects knowing about this. And 75% of people responded verbally while sitting in a car by themselves driving um, through stress, right? And verbally is usually yelling at other drivers. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, There was another study that showed uh, this was 1,500 drivers. They followed them around for 18 months. and they tracked all of the uh, accidents uh, that uh, drivers got into over the course of time. And uh, 80% of the accidents were caused by uh, a, a driver being distracted for less than three seconds. So whether that's mm. they're on their phone, they were churning a radio dial, um, um, you know, getting stressed out and yelling at someone else. And uh, so this stress is really hitting people in ways where, you know, they're, looking for a fight, you know, that like what we call an amygdala hijack, right? The emotional brain kicks in and they want to go after somebody or yell at somebody as a first response or they're distracted through stress. Um, I liked Larry's comment earlier where, you know, the car is a great place to escape. Um, That's a big part of the problem. Like people get stressed out, they get in their car and like, oh, finally I can relax. And they're distracted in 15 different ways, right? Um, Well, there's a a book that was written called, um, actually called Traffic. And um, they estimate the average, it takes the, dr- the driver about, we have about 1,500 different sub-skills, believe it or not, that are required to drive a car, right? So judging mm. distance, um, managing directions, peripheral vision, motory skills, on and on and on and on. Um, and yet we all train ourselves to get into pi- autopilot and just sort of zone out, right? Mm. And this is why mo- the vast majority of accidents happen. So as we move more and more to self-driving cars, I think what's going to happen is, you know, self-driving cars are probably going to be the result. Uh, they're going to be in accidents from other people hitting them uh, versus them hitting, uh, you know, uh, vehicle, vehicles with drivers in them. So it's very interesting, this whole notion of, uh, you know, stress. And although technology is changing, it's going to take a long time for us human beings to sort of catch up to what, what are the new rules of the road. Um, and we're going to still have the old rules of the road, which is like, how stressed out are you when you get behind a vehicle? Can you focus? Um, can you stay in the moment and be calm? Uh, 
when you're driving something that could be a dangerous, uh, you know, it's a dangerous vehicle. Wow. Did you really say 1,500 subskills are needed to drive a car correctly, Joe? Is that what the number you said? Yeah, and then, you know, in these research studies, they tend to go overboard. But you know, just going through the, the the top ten or twenty on it, I was like, "Wow, yeah, you should probably focus when you're sitting behind, like you know, four thousand pounds of metal." Absolutely. The I, I, reason I asked is I'm tweeting uh, Future of Cars Radio. Joe Burton, fifteen hundred subskills are needed to drive a car. Are you focused when you drive? That's my tweet, and I just hit post, and there we go. Thank you. Very interesting research, Larry Stoley. Were you aware of that number? That is huge. What do you think, Larry? Well, it's absolutely correct. I mean, I could not sit here and articulate each and every one of those fifteen hundred skills. But when you get to the top twenty, the top twenty-five or so, it, it's very, very clear and very apparent to me. You know, we get we get in a car, and you know, as Joe said, we we zone out. I mean, how many times have you been in a car and you get in and you're going somewhere? And you wind up where you were going, but you have no recollection of anything between when you got in the car and when you got to your destination. Mm-hmm. That, that happens to people a lot more often than you think. And through that time, the driver of a vehicle is responsible for everything he or she does. She's yeah. respons- he or she is responsible for their own safety, the safety of others, and so on. And that's where those 1,500 skills, or maybe just you know, the top 20, 25, mm-hmm come into play. It's personal responsibility. People don't accept that because they don't understand it. So, you know, it's, it, it's very, very real. Yeah, it is very real, and it's very scary. And as, as Joe said, this is a machine that weighs a couple of tons, and we've seen the carnage it can create. Uh, getting paid, let's, Heather, I'm going to ask you to, to dial in a little deeper with me, if you don't mind. We're talking about rush hour, quote-unquote rush hour traffic, because everybody's in a rush to get out of work and a rush to get home or somewhere fun before they go home, okay? So if we're creating this rush mentality... People are not focused on the act of driving. They're focused on the rush to get somewhere. So what are the chances? I think, given what what Joe just shared, I think we're lucky we have as few car accidents as we do, given the fact of what's happening in rush hour. Heather, can you comment on that, talking about distribution of people, distribution of stress that we are creating by this work environment where people have to be somewhere to work? Heather? Definitely. Um, I, I would totally agree. I think, you know, first, there is that first and foremost that we are human. We are emotive. We are emotional beings, which is one of the things that distinguishes us from many other, um, you know, different levels of animals in the animal kingdom. So that's, you know, that's something that's just at our very nature. And when you mix that with a piece of heavy equipment or heavy machinery, you know, sometimes the outcome isn't going to be, you know, as planned or, or can go catastrophically wrong. Um, and secondly, I would say, um, as I've, I had spoken with Joe, uh, you know, offline about this, um, because I've, I've embarked on my own mindfulness uh, exercise where I've tried to add in um, mindfulness and meditation practice because of the stress and the level of, you know, go, go, go that, that, that seems to be permeating uh, my present life. And, uh, and I would say that, you know, just one of, the, one of the messages or the kind of homework pieces from last week, one of the meditations I did was, you know, be aware. Throughout your day, be aware. And it made me realize how many times we are not mindful of or present in this. So we're, we're thinking, as you said, ahead to the next step. Is it I've got to rush home and pick up the kids. I've got to rush home and make dinner. I have to rush to, to work. I've got to make this meeting. We're always looking ahead. But what about being present in the moment? And that is, 
you know, the fact that so many of us aren't doing that on a regular basis, that's what's causing a lot of this, these issues, a lot of the potential for, you know, running the red light, hitting somebody, rear-ending, being distracted. But just that whole notion of, as a, as a culture, I think we need to come back to being mindful and being present um, in the moment. And that will, that will be part of helping to kind of counteract all of the stress that we're living with. Thank you, Heather. And if you think about that, let, let's drill it down even a little bit further. If we can teach people to be mindful and in the moment, Joe Burton, maybe companies can teach their employees, their new employees whom they hire, to be mindful and present so they can work a full day remotely without having to be physically in an office setting where a manager can see them, observe them, watch them, manage them. Joe, you want to just a quick comment on this before I move on to a statement from Larry because we're almost out of time. Joe? Yeah, I think, I think it's so, uh, this idea of being mindful is why we started the company. Um, the companies are, uh, are, are dealing with so many issues or they expect their employees to deal with so many issues and yet they don't give them the skills to deal with it, right? So we, you walk in in the morning and they say, hey, welcome to work. We want you to deal with disruption, transformation, innovation, digitization, offshoring, robotics, et cetera, and have a great attitude, Right. And um, that's becoming increasingly difficult. So, you know, whether it's dealing with traffic or working from home, this idea of how do you manage your stress to be resilient through constant change, I think is super important. Thank you. Larry Stoley, uh, let's look at your, let's go back to autonomous fleets. We haven't even talked about fleets. Larry, just quickly, you say it remains unclear how we can avoid the rush hour without significant changes to society and work locations. How will autonomous fleets help, Larry, before we, we're about two minutes before we have to go into predictions, Larry. So what are your thoughts about fleets of autonomous self-driving cars? Well, I think they only band-aid the problem, to be very honest with you. They do a lot of positive things. They're safer and, and uh, you know, they, they, you know, manage the environment better and so on and so forth. So they have a lot of positive attributes. But I think at the end of the day, we have a societal issue. And the, the societal issue is what we're talking about. Do we really need the office environment? Can technology make that superfluous or make it obsolete? And, you know, I believe it can. Now, here's another problem. If we make offices and work environments of that type obsolete based on technology enablement to, you know, to power home office work and so on and so forth, what happens to the real estate industry? What happens to who owns those buildings that no longer have people? Now we've got another stress factor. And, oh, by the way, we're talking about the future of cars. If people don't need to get to an office anymore, do we really need so many cars? Mm -hmm. So our lives are spider webs of interdependencies. Every one of these connection points in that spider web is a potential stress point. What a life we live in. Uh, uh, Larry, I'll tell you something. Reflecting on, on this wonderful conversation we're having with you and Joe Burton and Heather Ashton, I do work from home. You know that, Larry. I have my whole Game Changers radio set up here in my home office. Larry, there are times in the week, times in the day when I haven't left the office other than to walk a block to the supermarket for milk and bananas, though I am bananas, uh, that I crave getting in my little sports car that is garaged underground in my building. Yep. I want to get in that car. And do you think I care? Heather, do you think I care? 
care if it's 5 p.m. and Lakeville Road is backed up and I have to go to my TV studio when it's 20 minutes instead of three minutes to get that two and a half miles. I don't care. I'm so happy to be in my car and out of the home office. I don't. Traffic means nothing to me. I just want to be out. So I'll leave that thought. Heather Ashton, it's time for predictions. I can give you a whole 60 seconds. Heather, your prediction on what's going to happen to the concept of working in a place where you have to get there by some kind of transportation and get home and coping with stress and perhaps the symptom of needing congestion pricing and autonomous cars, yada, yada. Go ahead, Heather. What do you predict around 2020 will change? Help me out here. Um, well, I do predict. I do predict that we um, we are going through a change, and we will see uh, we will see a difference, a mindset change. Um, it's going to be transformational. It's going to require all of us to you know work together in a, in a group kind of think sort of way. Um, but we will start redefining how you know what it means to be in an office, what it means to um, to work you know scheduled hours, and how how we work together. Um, you know, and then I think that will then influence, as, as Larry really pointed out, which is very important, will influence the infrastructure. So that will also, you know, it, it will change the way we think about, you know, office buildings, right? And it might be a, a suite kind of opportunity where you're renting space or using space, you know, on an, on an regular basis, but not every day. Uh, and also then that will influence how, how this congestion and, and the cars sort of play out. So I, I do think that it's going to start, though, um, it will start with us as humans. We are in control. Um, we, you know, we need to find our balance. We will work toward that, and I think that technology will support it, and then the infrastructure will, you know, adapt or be adapted to, you know, to respond. Thank you, Heather. That was profound. I like that. I'm tweeting, mindset change, redefining what it means to be in an office, re-rush hour traffic. Heather Ashton, H. Ashton, IDC predicts. Thank you. Joe Burton, it will. What do you predict around the year 2020 for our topic, stress cure and traffic? Joe. I uh, predict more and more companies and individuals are going to be looking into uh, emotional intelligence skills. So these, this constant disruption, uh, whether you're in an office, out of an office, you know, self-driving, driving yourself, et cetera, life's pretty stressful these days, right? And so um, Dan Goldman's uh, famous book on emotional intelligence um, uh, covers five areas, you know, self-awareness, uh, self-regulation, understanding your motivations, uh, empathy, and social skills. And I think these are in high demand and in short supply uh, in the corporate world. And um, uh, it's really affecting human interaction, human connection, right? So uh, how all of this stress shows up, you know, whether it's traffic stress or something that replaces traffic stress, um, which is going to be unemployment stress for a lot of people who drive cars for a living. Uh, people are going to have to drill down to the, understand these emotional intelligence skills and how to be resilient through constant change. Because you ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. Indeed. Thank you, Joe Burton and Will. And Larry Stoley, talk to me. 60 seconds are all yours, Larry. What do you predict? There is no doubt that technology will improve our lives it, it, you know, in many, many ways uh, that we've talked about in terms of transportation, in terms of our work environment and so on and so forth. The future will drive us, I mean, technology will drive us into the future and it'll be good. Everything has to remain in balance, though. And one of the things we've seen over the last years is that technology, while it's improving things, will also create other issues, stress, those types of things. And as Joe said, it's very, very important. It's going to become a realized fact 
that people have to take responsibility and accountability for themselves, and they have to apply the logic that says, is this worth worrying about? Is, is this important? You know, the old saying, give me the patience to understand, you know, the things I can't mm-hmm. change and to change the things I can Yeah, the I serenity can. prayer. Right. Yeah, that kind of thing. <clears throat> I think that's going to become more and more important. Technology is going to drive us towards that mind state. And we as human beings have to accept that and, and thrive on it. And, you know, it, it kind of takes me to the, the Star Trek thing, you know, uh, Spock. Everything has to be logical. And I think technology is going to drive us that way. We're certainly trying. Thank you very much. Larry Stoley, another great topic. Thank you for coming back on and for inviting Heather Ashton at IDC and Joe Burton at Will to join us. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. It has been a pleasure speaking about, well, what are we talking about? Work and the stresses we create ourselves. And are we trying to cure symptoms? Are we trying to cure the real problem? A lot of meat on the bones here. Great topic and really very appreciative to my panelists for sharing your insights and sharing your energy and your personal impact on on how all this is happening. Technology, yay. I'll be back in one hour with the new edition of Partnerships. Uh, what are we talking about? Partnerships Changing the Game. i got to pick this up here. Oh, this is a good one. Uh, the title is Partnership Changing the Game for Digital Transformation Radio. We'll be talking about the financial impact of risk. Don't let your company become that next bad Wall Street Journal headline. I'll leave you with that thought. I'm Bonnie DeGram. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelts. How appropriate. What are you waiting for? Go out just like Heather, just like Joe, just like Larry, and be a game changer today. But do it safely, focus, and keep down the stress. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to the Future of Cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.